Take your Bibles, if you would. If you'd find the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. And you want to leave your Bibles open as we take a look at this. And we appreciate you. Welcome in from the cold this morning. But we appreciate you coming and being a part of our worship service. Know that the Lord has great things in store for us today already. We are pleased to be able to worship Him uh, in song and through prayers and soon to be the reading of God's Word. But we appreciate you being here today. It is uh, good to have your former uh, pastor and his wife, Perry and Jan Fowler. Good to have you all here with us today. We appreciate you coming. They thought it was Pack-A-Pew Sunday, so they brought the whole family. But uh, Perry, we don't have pews anymore. I didn't know if you noticed. But, uh, and, uh, and, uh, but uh, we appreciate uh, Perry, a lot about his ministry. Uh, we don't have pews, but we have a well-used children's building, which I understand you were instrumental in being sure that we had that children's building. But I did notice, I'll say, that uh, you didn't show up until we paid it off. But uh, I understand, but we appreciate you. And uh, we appreciate you being here. Uh, we are in Acts chapter 10, and we are, we're coming to the conclusion of what has been our theme this entire semester, and that is that He is the answer. We know that uh, you have questions. The world has questions. And we want everyone to know that He's the answer. In fact, we want people to know that they can come to this place on Sunday, not just because they feel like they should or because it is their duty, but they, everyone can come because we believe that solutions can be found here. But not only here, but you as the people of God, you who represent the church of the living God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you carry the solution with you so that you are the hope of the world. So we want to continue to arm you with those things. We've talked about maybe questions that you have or questions maybe that you have that you don't want to talk about but we probably should and uh, so we're coming to the conclusion of that really this week although next Sunday uh, will be our Thanksgiving service with much uh, uh, Thanksgiving through testimonies and through song and you want to come and be a part of that that continues to be our theme first thing first time we've had the church-wide fellowship meal like this on a Sunday in the last couple of years. So we'll be doing that next week. But the difference will be usually that's a potluck-covered dish. But uh, this year that uh, uh, through our men's ministry and hospitality team, it's going to be provided turkey and dressing, cranberry sauce and all the trimmings, and you want to come and be a part of that. It's a big Sunday also. Uh, we'll be starting to collect for Operation Christmas Child. We'll be taking food to needy people. Uh, there's the United Appeal Fund that will be happening, so you can come and you can come to Sunday school. You can come be a part of worship, be a part of fellowship, and be a part of serving before the afternoon is out. It's a big day. If you want to know what's happening, just keep your calendar in front of you. Take a look at your bulletin for that. This now is the Word of God, Acts chapter 10. We're going to read a portion of an extended story told here in this chapter and the next. And I'm going to ask if you would... Uh, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? We'll read Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 23. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance, saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, and there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, I, I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. And while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what this vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate 
and called out and asked whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today, and you may be seated. It is uh, still considered one of the greatest sports movies of all time. Coaches still will sometimes before a big game be sure that their players perhaps see this movie. And it's one of my family's favorite movies. And that is the Remember the Titans about the true story of the once all-white school and all-white football team. Lives are interrupted in Alexandria, Virginia in 1971 along with their new teammates and they're forced to learn lesson of getting along with those who are not like themselves. And football becomes for a time, at least in that story and in that setting, a common denominator. The team transforms the hearts and the minds of their school and even of their entire city. Of course, not everyone's ready to make the kinds of changes or to grow in this area, but sometimes the unexpected interruptions that comes your way forces you to choose what you will believe and how you will behave and where you will place your faith. Let me ask you, have there been any unexpected interruptions in your life in the last year or so, perhaps? Well, kind of like the football field, the church and our faith, even more so, should be the great equalizer. We know that the Bible tells us that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. In the first century church, we find that there were some unexpected interruptions by Jesus in the lives of believers and unbelievers. Particularly in Acts chapter 10, there were some interruptions that took place as some of those were going about their business as usual. In fact, in Acts chapter 10, some considered to be one of the most important chapters in Acts, the story of Peter and Cornelius. It's the longest story told in Acts. 66 verses, including chapter 10 and the first 18 verses of Chapter 11, and sometimes when a story is told and it's a longer story, all of God's Word is important, but it gives lots of weight to the story. And it suggests a turning point or a bridge to help the church to discover that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people regardless of race or economic or social status. And everyone that we come in contact with is a person for whom Christ died and whom God loves. If we truly believe it, we begin to look at people differently, no matter who they are. And in Acts chapter 10, we find a central lesson taught through a series of interruptions by an angel, by Jesus, and by the Holy Spirit. And I began to think if if the Lord were wanting to interrupt our business as usual, maybe even today in this very service, what would be the kinds of things that He would want to tell us? What kind of interruptions would He say that He would want us to be sure to know today? I believe... From this passage, we have some of those, and you'll have your notes, and you want to follow along with this. But uh, if he were to interrupt us today, he perhaps or most assuredly would let us know that religion is not a relationship. Religion is not a relationship. We read earlier, beginning in verse 9, about Peter's experience on the rooftop when Jesus interrupted 
his prayer time, but that was really the second interruption in this chapter. In verse 1 of chapter 10, we're introduced to Cornelius, a centurion, a Roman soldier. His name has become synonymous with being the father of the first Gentile household to become Christians after the Pentecost. In the city of Caesarea, there was a Roman regiment of about 600 men, and as a centurion, thus the name centurion, he would be in charge of a, a hundred soldiers. Hundred soldiers. In order to be a Roman centurion, well, you had to be as tough as nails, kind of like what we might picture as a marine drill sergeant. Yet there's another side of him that was showed, and we see in this passage, even though he was not an Israelite, he was not Jewish, the Bible lets us know he was a God-fearer. In fact, Acts chapter 10 and verse 2, you might notice, it says he was a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the poor and prayed to God always. Now, if you're a reader of the New Testament, you know this is not the first time that a centurion has been mentioned. There are probably all kinds of soldiers, and you wonder why a centurion so much. But it was, it was a centurion that came to Jesus when his servant was ill. And he asked Jesus that he might heal his servant and told him, you don't even have to come to my house. You don't even have to come with me. I know that if you say that it happens and that he will be healed, he will be healed. And Jesus said that he had not seen a faith like this kind of faith in any Israelite and that this was a great faith that he saw in this particular centurion. It was a centurion who saw the crucifixion of Christ, who experienced the unexplained darkness, experienced the earthquake, all that Jesus said and did on the cross and proclaimed, truly this man was the Son of God. These men in Acts 10, they are an example that God can change any heart. Now, if you, you would have known Cornelius, a tough soldier type who believed in one God, gave to the poor, even to the Jewish people, and took care of the Jewish people. He prayed regularly. You would have said this was a good man. Now, if you knew him today, you probably would say that he was a good Christian man. But there's one problem. He was not saved yet because he did not have a relationship with Jesus. If nothing else, it teaches that being religious is not the same as knowing Jesus. Now, God heard his prayers. God knew his heart. Sent an angel to direct him to calling for Peter so that Peter would come to tell him and his household the good news. It's a wonderful story, a wonderful connection and bridge to the rest of all the New Testament and all that happens in Acts. But it's a good story also to remember the next time you're wondering or thinking, what about those people who've never heard of Jesus before? But you know, I... Certainly believe we find evidence here. We want to remember the story. For all those who are seekers of truth and all those who are seeking after God, God provides a way. Now, when it comes to faith and religion, there are three choices that people usually make, usually fall in one of these categories. Some will choose the world over faith or religion. They make a choice to serve the God or the gods of this world. Their mantra is, whoever dies with the most stuff wins. Or they will do whatever pleases themselves or give the most pleasure. In fact, today, materialism or secular, secularism may be the most popular religion today. And then people often become a slave to their jobs or a slave to being in debt or a slave to feeding their desires or the accumulation of wealth. Even most Roman soldiers chose to serve the world they lived by being nationalists nationalist and their allegiance was only to Rome and to Caesar all soldiers had to declare Caesar is their only Lord 
But Cornelius was not the typical soldier. But then some people choose works. Now, let's be honest and realize that many people sitting in church pews today are still trying to earn their way to heaven. There's a, there's a country song out there that used to be on the radio, may still be, about something where I come from. Where I come from, don't start singing or clapping if you don't mind, but where I come from, there's cornbread and chicken, a lot of front porch sitting, and a lot of folks trying to get to heaven. Well, the problem is many are trying to get to heaven by being religious or by their works. Cornelius, Cornelius did three of the obligations of the Jewish faith. He, he fasted, he gave to the poor, and he prayed at the appropriate times of the day. That did, still did not get him a relationship with God nor a ticket to heaven. For relying on works or relying on faith plus works is to be misguided. But while some choose the world and some choose works, some will choose worship. They worship. Some will choose worship and they worship by faith. Jesus. We're reminded Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 that says, For by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves as the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I believe this is what Cornelius chose to do in the story. Even though he did all these other things, he did not do them to earn his way. He was, a search, he was searching for the truth. The difference in Cornelius is that he was not turning from Jesus, for he had not met Jesus yet. Many people who are confronted with Jesus and they choose the world. Or they confronted with Jesus and even with the fact that Jesus is the only way, but they can't quite accept that or can't quite put their faith in that. They choose in works instead of worshiping through faith. Is is God trying to interrupt what you're doing today, even what we're doing today, and seeking to tell you to stop trusting in the world or in the works of religion, but instead put your trust in Him alone? But before we can understand the act of on the an act on the gospel is for all people, we must know that we have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, and we're not just going through the motions, or we're not trusting in something, or, or not trusting in Christ plus something. You, you'll have opportunity even today, or even now as we go forward, to be able to put your trust in Jesus alone before you leave this place, and know that He is the one who is the answer to all your questions. He is the solution to all your problems, to the world's problems. Trust Christ alone and place your faith in Him alone, not in yourselves or this world. Make a clear choice to worship Jesus only. For it's not about being religious. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. If Jesus were to interrupt us today, He might have something else to say to us today. He might want to be sure that we understood that devotion leads to direction. Devotion to God and devotion with God leads to direction. Three o'clock in the afternoon, which is the regular time for Jewish prayer, Cornelius was praying. And he was having a personal private devotion. And he was interrupted by a vision of an angel calling his name. These things happened before verse 9 that we read earlier. Now we don't know what he was praying. Perhaps he was praying that he might be revealed and he might know the truth. Read what the angel said to him. In verse 3, we're in chapter 10, we'll read verses 3 through 6. It says this, About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? 
And he said to him, your, your prayers and your alms have ascended to a memorial as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Now, if you want direction in life, be it in your relationships or something that's happening on the job with your family and church, direction will be found in your devotional time with God. When the angel finished speaking, Cornelius sent for two of his servants and a trusted soldier, explained to them what the angel had said and what they were to go do, and they were to go to find Simon Peter in the house of Simon the Tanner in the city of Joppa. Meanwhile, or the next day, in the passage we read earlier, Simon Peter's on the rooftop at noon. Now, just imagine the rooftop, flat rooftop, stairs leading up to the roof, as it would be in the Middle East, even in places today that you might see. And we find that as we read this story, and we want you to see it, God's working from both ends. Because as he's in the city of Caesarea, as Cornelius is in that city, an angel is sent there, and then we find Peter, here's the Lord, while he's on the rooftop in Joppa, and in harmony, God's perfect timing, things are working. The text says that Peter is hungry, While the meal is being prepared, maybe it's the time for prayer anyway. And so he goes into the rooftop and he prays and he falls into a trance or he falls asleep and he sees the vision of the sheep come down from heaven with all kinds of animals. It's interesting to me as we read this passage about the specific times that are given. Cornelius had his vision at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on one day and then on the next day God speaks to Peter at 12 noon. And the Lord gives direction I think it helps us to know that the Lord gives direction often at the times that we are seeking Him. And in truth, it should not be an interruption, but a planned meeting with the Savior. But I can tell you, without a specific meeting time with God, we'll rarely know the certainty of the direction that God would have us to go. You ever try to read your Bible, have a devotional time when you're hungry? Or maybe when you're sleeping? Well, what happens? Either your thoughts go to food, or you fall asleep, or sometimes both it happens. Well, that's what happened to Peter. Food was cooking down below, and maybe he could smell the camel stew and the macaroni and goat cheese. Oh, doesn't that sound good? You know, if I'd have said chicken fingers and barbecue, you'd have already checked out and start thought about lunch. So Peter dreams, falls asleep, and then dreams about food. Can I get a witness? He dreams about food. and It's actually a strange vision that God uses to prepare Peter and to give him direction. The sheet comes down from heaven and all kinds of animals are represented on it together. Animals that would have been considered clean and animals that would have been considered unclean. The animals that Peter had been brought up to believe were he should not have anything to do with. So as Peter looks at this, some of these animals that he sees do not look very appetizing. And he heard the voice of the Lord. Now, some of you have your Bibles open, some of you on smartphones, so we're watching on screens, but any of you have a red letter edition of the Bible? In this particular, mine's red letter, and this, it is a red letter because we have no doubt that Jesus is speaking to Peter. Peter had no doubt that Jesus is speaking to him. And Jesus says, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Peter used three words that should never go together, found in Acts chapter 10 and verse 14. Depending on your translation, not so, Lord. 
Now, I read from the ESV a moment ago, and it's actually as by no means, Lord, but not so, Lord. If you've ever studied Peter's life, you know that he represents one of those. He represents those of us who are still growing in the Lord. You might remember when Jesus told the disciples that we're about to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be arrested and crucified. What did Peter say? Not so, Lord. This will not happen. That's when Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Then you know that when they were in the upper room and Jesus was washing the disciples' feet and they got to Peter, <laughs> Peter said, not so, Lord. You're not going to wash my feet. Well, Jesus said, if I do not wash your feet, you will have no part of me. Peter did an about face and said, then wash all of me. Many of us are like Peter when it comes to the direction that we get from the Lord. Our first response often is not so, Lord, not me, Lord, surely not. But the process of growing as a Christian is going from saying, not so, Lord, to saying, yes, Lord, to whatever he asks. Let's do, if you've got a pen there in front of you and you've got something to write on, let me get you to write down these two words. No, comma, Lord, period. It's not on the screen. We could probably do the two words without the screen. But uh, no, comma, Lord, period. Now, Taking a look at that, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is your Savior, and you know that, and Jesus is to be your Lord, and we need to be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The, one of these two words do not fit. There's no way that you can say no and still be under the Lordship of Jesus. So you will need to mark out one or both of these words because they are incongruent. They do not go together. Now, if you'd like to write the words, yes, comma, Lord, period, or maybe even exclamation point, these are the words. If we're following under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, these are the only words that will fit together. What do you, what do you think? Why do you think Peter's vision was repeated three times? Now, you know it's more than one time that the Lord speaks to Jesus or something happens three times for Peter. Certainly it was for emphasis. In fact, anytime something's repeated in the Bible, we understand it's for emphasis. And after the resurrection of Jesus, after Peter had denied the Lord three times, Jesus has a conversation with Peter by the Sea of Galilee. And there Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And certainly that was for emphasis and drive home the point. Peter may have thought about that particular encounter with Jesus and recognized Oh yeah, I remember when Jesus did this something else three times. Not only for emphasis, but also for my own personal growth. So that I might continue to grow and to be more like Jesus. Have you ever had in your own personal devotion times or reading the Bible, you come away maybe a little dry after reading, or maybe you keep seeing the same lessons over and over again, but it can happen sometimes in worship, and it can happen in a Bible study class, and it sometimes is the, you know, you a little bit, you know, is there anything new maybe that you could learn along the way? One reason may be this, and, and you've noticed we're going to make this personal, so we're using that first personal pronoun. I cannot receive that which is new from the Lord until I have acted on the information and the direction that God has already given. Peter cannot go forward until he understood why this was taking place. I cannot receive that which is new from the Lord until I have acted on the information the direction God has already given. God's being gracious when He gives the same lessons and the same directions, for we cannot go further or grow more in the Lord until our hearts are changed. 
There are a lot of church members, maybe even genuine followers of Jesus. And I'll go far to say that perhaps most Christians at time have had have dried out in their spiritual vigor or they dropped out because they get a word or direction from the Lord and instead of saying, yes, Lord, they have said, not so, Lord, and never gotten around to saying yes. And for many, it is this very issue that Peter was dealing with about loving and having compassion for all people because Jesus died for everyone. I was, uh, I was visiting an inactive church member one day in another place in a galaxy far, far away at another time. And uh, I don't usually ask this question, but I guess I was feeling bold that day because I hear she used to have been very active at the church. And, and I, said, uh, I said, now you used to be very active. Why are you not active anymore? And without batting an eye, she said, I don't like the preaching. <laughs> so I thanked, I slunked out the door and said goodbye, whatever. No, but uh, uh, now, as far as I know, she had never heard me preach before. So, but uh, the truth was, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's my preaching, one of our pastors preaching, whether it's your personal devotions, whether it's Billy Franklin or Ann Graham Lotz that comes to this pulpit, it will become dry and non-fruit bearing until you say the, the, yes to the direction that God calls. That's when living for Jesus, that's when showing God's love and sharing the good news becomes exciting. And like Peter was hungry for food, when you'd be hungry to hear and do the Word of God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, on the Sermon on the Mount, we know that Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. But there's another message that the Lord may tell us today, if we were going to be, if He was going to interrupt us today, and it would be this, break down barriers. Break down the personal barriers. The vision Jesus gave Peter did two things. First, Jesus had already declared all foods clean. Dietary laws of the Jewish people are not intended for New Testament believers. But Peter, because of how he was raised in his Jewish culture, he had to get over certain attitudes about foods. Now, if you're a meat lover like I am, you might really like this story that takes place. I, we were driving down the road and I saw, I saw a bumper sticker that said PETA on it with something written below. So, you know, as you drive closer to see what it is, it said PETA. Stands for people eating tasty animals. Now, if you're a PETA lover, I, I apologize. But, but there's a bigger picture in the making. Because a few minutes after Peter had this vision of the animals he could eat, there was a knock on the door. And he was to come face to face with his personal prejudices. Until Jesus showed him he did not even know that he was prejudiced. But he was. And so the focus of this chapter in the sermon is Jesus died for everyone. We're to love and be ready and willing to share the gospel with anyone regardless of who they are. And for Peter, it would be hard to change how he felt about certain foods that he, were, he had been taught were unclean. It would also be hard for him to learn the lesson of accepting those of another race. For he had been taught that Gentiles, all non-Jews were unclean, referred to them often as dogs. And to associate with them would make him unclean. Well, aren't you glad this lesson of prejudice was only needed in Peter's day? The person who thinks that they do not need help in this area is the one who is in the most danger, in the most need, because they may be blind to the baggage in which they bring because of their background or because of the world in which we live in this culture or even simply because we have a sinful nature. 
But folks, if we're expecting the world to be different, the church is going to have to be honest. We've got to break down our own barriers. How important it is today in our culture, the racial violence and controversies over the last couple of years with questions of how we approach and think about the critical race theory and the woke movement. The world has questions about these issues. Do we really believe that Jesus is the answer? We do. We cannot faithfully preach and talk about God's Word without understanding this lesson. But can I say to you, Parkway Baptist Church, I've seen many times over and over for you to combat the issue of race relations and loving people different from you. We're not like Jesus yet. But in many places, we're painted a picture. Like in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, we get a, John gets the glimpse of heaven. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every tribe, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. And they're worshiping together. When I uh, entered junior high school in or excuse me, entered, yeah, junior high, I guess it was, in 1974. Well, it seems like a long time ago. I really don't remember much of the 60s, though I was alive then, but 70s were very volatile in Selma, Montgomery, Birmingham. I was living in Birmingham. And I remember one particular Sunday in, in a, or integrating neighborhood, but predominantly white church. On a Sunday morning, three people came in from another race. They came in after the service started. They came, sat on about the third or fourth row, toward the center. Even as a teenager, I could feel the tension in the church. And when church was over, they marched out and no one ever spoke a word to them. One of our men made a beeline to the pastor. I don't believe that this was typical of all the church. But as soon as church was over, he came to him and said, next time, preacher, next time that happens, you'll stop the service immediately, dismiss everyone, or you'll not have a job. Surely we've come a long way since then. And while we may have been influenced to raise a certain way or have our sinful nature, it's God who changes our hearts and our attitudes and they need to continue to keep changing. Let me show you quickly four ways that we can please God and break down the walls of prejudice from this actor, this chapter. One way is by acceptance. And while Peter was contemplating his vision, God told him three men were at the door and he should go with them without any reservation. He invited them then, they lodged for the night, he went with them the next day. In verse 28 of Acts chapter 10, he acknowledged that no man is unclean. In Christ that we are all one people with a common bond as believers and Christ died for all. Second way to break down barriers is through serving. Peter traveled with Gentile men the 30 miles from Joppa to Caesarea. Joppa was mostly a Jewish town. Caesarea was mostly Gentile before this time. Peter would never have thought of going to Caesarea And there Cornelius was waiting for them. He'd gathered all of his family to come and hear Peter that was coming to speak that the angel of the Lord told him about. He gathered some friends to come and hear as well. He was being a witness even before he became a believer. Peter quickly uh, approached the house and he walked on the property. The Gentile centurion soldier fell down at Peter's feet and began to worship. Peter quickly picked him up and told him not to worship him. He was only a man. And if we really have a concern for people who are not like us or different to us, it's, it's not that we're doing them some great favor. But it's because we love and share Jesus with others, not to be applauded, but because we're servants of the King of Kings. A third way to break down the wall of prejudice is by sharing. Peter, for the first time, 
for the first time in his life perhaps walked into the home of a Gentile. That which he thought was forbidden wasn't just his upbringing, wasn't just something he had in the back of his mind, but it was his religious duty before then. And he goes in because of what Jesus had told him and because of the change that Christ had brought to his heart. And he shared Jesus. Notice what he said. Acts chapter 2. Look at verses 39 and 40. Verse 39 says, And and we are witnesses of all that he did, speaking of Jesus, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by the hanging on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Verse 43 reads, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone, everyone, the emphasis who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. If we're to break down the walls of prejudice, it will be by simply sharing our story of how Jesus has changed our life and pointing people to Him. Have we done all three, acceptance, serving, and sharing? Fourth way to break down the walls is by fellowship. In Jesus, we can have koinonia fellowship. Particularly in chapter 11, we find that Peter goes back and he shares with those in Jerusalem what he has done, and they criticize Peter for eating with Gentiles. And Peter shares with them all that took place and how the Lord had how they had become believers. We understand that in Jesus we can have koinonia fellowship with everyone who knows Jesus. It's a fellowship that we practice here on earth and that we'll continue and we'll know perfectly in heaven. It may be today that the Lord may lay somebody on your heart who's not like you. It may have nothing to do with race relations. Ask the Lord though down to break down any personal barriers. Acts chapter 10 and verse 34 says this, So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. One more thing before we leave, if God were to interrupt us before we go today, that he wanted to be able to tell us, and that's this. You're saved to share about the Savior. You're saved to share about the Savior. There's another interruption by God that took place in this Passage and it happened while Peter was sharing about Jesus. It's found in chapter 10, verse 44, where it says the Holy Spirit came upon them because that was when they believed and when they put their faith in Christ. When a prepared heart hears a proper message, watch out for the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible said they spoke in tongues similar to what had taken place in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And they were baptized and they fellowshiped together and Peter taught them for many days. This pattern for the gospel to be spread is found here as it is throughout the rest of the New Testament. The pattern is this. Christians are sent by Jesus to share the good news. Non-Christians hear the good news. All who believe and put faith in Jesus are saved. And the Holy Spirit dwells in each new believer. It's the same pattern that takes place in all of Acts. It's the same pattern that takes place today. It's the pattern that we also need to follow. On my, uh, speaking of the 70s, I guess, but on my 12th birthday, uh, my family moved from Alabama to Texas. Happy birthday to me. And uh, my dad was going to school. Uh, Not long after that, began to go to uh, middle school or junior high there in Texas. Much bigger school than I was used to. Busing was practiced and encouraged for integration purposes. Daily fights 
were not that uncommon in the school. I only got in two fights while I was in junior high. Now, that was in school. I had lots of brothers always fall with them. But I know what you're thinking. I'm a lover and not a fighter. But, or maybe I'm a runner and not a fighter. But, uh, you know, junior high fights weren't all that much. But one day after school, two Hispanic boys caught me in a secluded place behind the gym. Um, and uh, why I was there, I'll never know. They were there because they had uh, bullied a friend of mine on the playground or uh, recreation time, whatever, PE, I guess, maybe we called it in those days, and I tried to stand up for him. Well, there was nowhere to run. Uh, dropped my books, and uh, after a couple of slaps and kicks, a coach came from around the corner yelling at us, and we took off and started running. I was never so glad to see a coach in my life. <laughs> it never bothered me again. Now, it may be something, a lesson there about standing up to bullies, I don't know. But, uh, but I will tell you, I developed a uh, pretty unhealthy dislike for those two guys. Now, I don't know that I ever hated anybody, but I think I may have come close. Well, I survived junior high on my 14th birthday, exactly. We moved back from Texas, back to Alabama. Uh, and believe it or not, 10 years later, Kelly and I, on my 24th birthday, moved back to Texas, and I went to the same school that my dad attended uh, there. And uh, uh, I pastored a church up in North Texas on the weekends, drove up on the weekends, would stay. During the week, I often would work with a church there that was near the school, and we'd go knock on doors, and uh, people that uh, we had found, discovered that were unchurched, and we knocked on one particular door, Hispanic family were there, and I asked it would be okay if I shared my faith and shared my story, shared my testimony, began to tell about Jesus. And while I am, tell him, I recognize him. And I uh, recognize this is one of the boys that were there. And, uh, uh, and as I shared, I <clears throat> uh, asked him during the conversation, I said, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said he wasn't sure. So we prayed for him and left and Two weeks later, that Hispanic dad made a profession of faith. Um, Lord changed his life. Now, but I want to tell you also that I'm living testimony that Jesus can change your heart if you let him. If Jesus died for all, let's ask the question, what walls need to come down in my life as you make it personal? Could it be that there needs to be a hateful attitude that needs to be changed? Could there be a Heart transformation? Could it be a cultural predisposition? These are some things, but I want you to make it personal. What could it change? What would it be? If Jesus were to interrupt us today in this setting, what would he say to me? Again, wanting you to make that personal. Would he say that I need to begin a relationship with Jesus? That I need to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sin? And become a follower and genuine believer. One who worships Jesus only. Would he say that he wants to give me direction? That begins with an ongoing devotional life. Would he say that he wants me to break down any barriers that is keeping me from loving others? Or would he say that I'm saved to share with others about Jesus? 
Let's pray about these things. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you in this very service knowing of your presence here. We know always that when you come and meet with us, it is not to be an interruption, but it is to be a planned time for us to come together and listen to hear from you. Father, we pray particularly when it becomes maybe to race relations or barriers to loving other people that you may begin to work even more so in our hearts and our lives so that we might truly be able to love all people, not anything that would point to ourselves, but only that would point to you. We pray, Father, if there's one here today or maybe someone listening live stream today that does not know you as Lord and Savior and perhaps can see maybe even from this message and the story that we've read today that there needs to be a heart transformation and only Jesus can make that happen. If that's true today, Father, we pray that someone or more than one might pray today to receive Christ, asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and asking Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. Father, as a church, we pray that we may be a true representative of our Lord and Savior, be the feet and the hands and the mouthpiece of Jesus. Thank you that you've called us into service. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.